waiting to help. Each week we will be featuring a ministry in our Live Scent area. This week we'll be featuring Homework Club. Homework Club is a program that uh, takes place at the Highland City House where kids from Highland City Elementary um, come and we get to help them with their homework. We get to talk to them about Jesus. Um, truly, uh, truly a joy um, to get to know these kids and uh, if you'd like to help or just want to know more, stop by and uh, yeah, we'll tell you a little bit about it. As you came in the door today, you should have received a bulletin. On the back of that bulletin, there's a connection card. Be sure to fill out that connection card and drop it off at any one of the offering boxes at the auditorium entrances. We have a couple of announcements today, so be sure to follow along in your bulletin. On Saturday, February 3rd, TBA will be having a family fun day. There will be a lot of fun games, a huge bonfire, and some food will be provided, but feel free to bring some more if you'd like. TBA's Got Talent auditions will be held February 11th at 5 p.m. If you don't want to be a part of the show, plan to attend February 18th, also at 5 p.m., to watch the show. And that's all for announcements. Today we will be continuing in our brick and mortar series talking about fellowship. And here's Tim Parker with the message. Hey, good morning, TBA. Everybody give Zach Beach a hand. I know that's a tough job, and he did a great. He did great with those announcements. Uh, we want to welcome everybody. Uh, we want to welcome everybody to, uh, and thank you for gathering together uh, to worship with us this morning. My name is Tim Parker, and I'm one of the men's ministry leaders here at TBA. We are in our fourth Sunday of our brick and mortar series on Koinonia. Uh, has everyone been enjoying the series so far? Everybody gotten a lot of it. Um, we've, Amy. <laughs> We've kind of been uh, doing an experiment this week, not intentionally, uh, on how well our office at Imagine has been dealing in the forgiveness and uh, conflict resolution series. But let me just set the stage a little bit. About about three weeks ago, we started a um, we started a weight loss challenge. Started a weight loss challenge um, between each of the individuals at at uh, at Imagine. Um, I was gone to Israel for two weeks. Whenever I came back from Israel, I, I just want to be completely transparent here. I, I came back from Israel, and I saw a lot of down faces, a lot of depressed that were, were dealing with these diets, and, and just it's, it's never fun to diet, right? So what do I do, being the kind person that I am, I bring something in to cheer everybody up, and I bring in donut holes. And you would have thought that I was Satan. <laughs> I've been accused of being evil, of a saboteur. Uh, Brian, we may need you to come and actually do a, uh, a, a personal series on the forgiveness uh, sermon again for us there. Now, Dave, conflict, conflict resolution, they are scoring high marks on that. They're coming to me individually. They're coming in twos and threes. They're coming... As the whole office, in fact, I'm pretty confident that I'm just about to be asked to leave the office. So we're doing well. We hope everybody's doing, uh, enjoying the sermon series. Each sermon has been a powerful reminder in how we are to react or deal with circumstances or relationships in the church. Each one a hallmark of Christianity. A hallmark is defined, defined in Webster's Dictionary as a mark stamped on articles of gold, silver, 
or platinum. All of these metals are metals that the world holds precious. The Hallmark stamp certifies the standard of purity. It's a stamp of authenticity. What does gold, I'm sorry, what does God hold most dear in this world? Well, of course, that's, that's us. Are you allowing yourself to be hallmarked as a Christian in order to touch others' lives? In that same way that precious metals are certified, we receive the stamps of purity from the Holy Spirit as we live life and go through the sanctification process. Sanctification means to be set apart for a particular use, a special purpose or work to be made sacred and holy. So we as Christians are to be set aside separate from the world. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We are called to be different in order to impact the world around us. So are you allowing yourself to to go through the sanctification process? So that by the words we speak and by our very deeds, are we certified as pure and authentic sons and daughters of the Most High King? A couple of weeks back, Brian Legg talked about the hallmark of forgiveness and how our ability to forgive is a direct result of our acceptance and understanding of the forgiveness that Christ extended on the cross and continues to extend to us each and every day. Matthew 26, 28 says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus took action on our sin. He took the ultimate step so that we might be seen as pure, so that we might be seen as authentic in the eyes of our Father. Last week, Dave talked about the hallmark of dealing with conflict. And the clear path to handling that conflict is described in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Here is a process to deal with sin in the church body. The process that the Bible tells us is the path to walk with conflict. Do you remember it? Go to the person, yourself. If they refuse to hear, go with two or three. So that by the words of two or three, every word will be established. If they refuse to hear them, Tell it to the church. But if they refuse even to hear the church, then they should be treated as heathen or tax collector. I believe this process allows time for reflection and maybe cooler heads to prevail. And maybe at the end of the conflict, this process offers a choice. It offers an opportunity for a mending of hearts versus a breaking of paths. I think God seeks the mending. He wants the mending. He wants us to to be together as one. But he set forth this process to also justify that sometimes there needs to be a breaking of paths. And we have to be okay with that. So, with these having been the last couple of weeks, have you been convicted in forgiveness or dealing with conflict? Amy? Amy? I, um, have you been hallmarked as a Christian in those areas? Even if you are only beginning to work on these things, then know that the stamp is being set. Each step that you choose to walk in obedience 
is a step that you choose towards Christ. And as you get closer to him, then you allow Holy Spirit to purify more of your heart. And the more you allow that purification process to happen, then and only then does the fullness of Christ begin to take place in and around you. And you begin to impact the kingdom. You begin to impact the world. Have you come to a realization that it is difficult, even impossible, to do this alone and on your own? We were never meant to do this alone. We were never meant to be individuals, but to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Stivey said the first week of the series, salvation is personal but not private. We are supposed to be sharing our story with others. We were born to be a part of the church, not the church as the world says it is today, but the church as Christ has set forth. As different parts of his body, we are all to use our specific gifts and work together to fulfill his mission. The brick and mortar analogy are key to us fulfilling this mission. We have determined that we are the brick. So what is the mortar that binds us all together? I think there are key ingredients that go into the mix for the mortar. These are important to make the mortar strong. If any of these are missing or not put forth in the right amounts, then they make the mortar weak and the brick falls apart. If we do not follow the mixture, that's when we begin to lose people from the church and even from the kingdom. It's that important. As I've done, this, done some study, I, I started asking, uh, what, what causes people to fall away from the church or even fall away from their faith? And these were key things that, that, were, that were needed in order to make that mortar strong. So, first one, study of the word daily. Study of the word daily. It is important to read and study the word every day. We need to be studying the word and not just reading it. How many of you shut down on this because you don't understand what the Bible is saying? It's confusing for you. Uh, for me, that was me. That was me in the beginning of my walk. I'd read the Bible, but I didn't study it. But you have to do more than just read. I began spending some time with some men, and together we began to study. To actually pull the word apart and look at the context it was being used in. Who is the passage written to? What are the Greek words that were used? And then all of it changed. It began to take on life. It began to have meaning in situations that were relevant today. And then it happened. My study of the word changed someone else's life. Can you say that? Can you say that your study of the word has changed someone's life? I think a lot of you can. My study changed a heart. Christ had used me, broken and imperfect me, to save someone's life. John 8, 31 through 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, abide means to live in it. To live in it, not just to visit it, to live in it. 
If you abide in my word, if you live in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. My abiding in the word allowed me to speak truth into someone's life. And that truth allowed Christ to set them free. Are you living in the Word or do you just visit it occasionally? Number two, having a daily prayer life. Let's put it this way. Think about the person who's most important in your life today. In the whole world, who's most important to you? Most people have contact with that person every day. This person touches our lives in such a way that we probably speak with them daily to share stories or make decisions. That probably differs for all of us, but it could be a spouse, a friend, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad. Why do we not do this with God? Why do we not speak with Him daily? He is the author of our lives, our provider, our friend, our Lord and Father. We have to spend time with Him, our Abba. He wants us to come each day and have conversation with Him. There's a song sung by Larnell Harris called, I Miss My Time With You. I I was not given the gift of song, so I promise I'm not going to sing this to you. But its words are impactful and have been impactful in my life. This is how it starts. Talking about God. There he was just waiting in our old familiar place. An empty spot beside him where once I used to wait. To be filled with strength and wisdom for the battles of the day. I would have passed him by again if I didn't hear him say, I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say that you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit is empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. When we don't spend time with God each day, He misses that time with us. He misses the time with us. And in that, we are unable to be filled with the Spirit whenever we don't have common, a common time when we get, to get, get together and speak with Him and spend time with Him. We even try to hide it in our serving of Him. It's important for us to spend time praying with Him each day. Number three, being a giver. Now, no mass, no mass exodus. We're not talking about tithing this morning. That's not part of the sermon. I'm talking about taking God's word in, but not putting it out. What we tend to, re, what we do is we tend to receive the word, and then that's where it stops. We seem to think it's only for our benefit, and we never share it with anyone else. The easiest and best visual that I have for this uh, actually comes from Israel. The Jordan River flows into two bodies of water. 
One of those bodies is the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan flows in on the north end and out on the south end. The lake is filled with fish. It is alive. It is surrounded by grass and trees and visited by birds and animals that survive in and by its waters. Follow the Jordan south as it exits the Galilee and it flows into a body of water called the Dead Sea. There is no outlet of the water from the Dead Sea. There is only one way in and no way out. Everything that goes in never leaves. It is never sent back out to benefit anything. The Dead Sea is not inhabited by anything. There is nothing that can survive in its waters. It is, and it's holding on to everything that enters and not allowing that flow to go out. The sea is aptly named Dead. It never shares its waters with anything else. They're the same waters that flow into the Galilee, that flow into the Dead Sea, but it never allows them out. Nothing can survive there. Are you killing your heart by taking in and never giving out? Number four is being rightly related or in koinonia with God and other believers. We are called to do life together, not alone. We are supposed to spend time with God and other believers in order to grow, in order to move through the sanctification process and have the hallmarks of Christianity stamped on our hearts. In that fellowship, in that fellowship, and in all of these things, there's one final ingredient that has to be there. It has to be there. I like to call it the bonding agent. You see, in construction, the bonding and construction, the bonding agent is something that sometimes is mixed with something to make it stronger, to bond those pieces together. Sometimes it's even painted on a surface so that whenever the other the piece of that is applied, it has a, a stronger bond. The bonding and the agent that has to be included with these four things is life. The bonding agent is life. You see, in the study of the Word, in our prayer life, in our giving, and especially in our fellowship, we have to do life. We have to be involved. We have to get dirty. You can't be a Christ follower and not share your life with others. Remember, Stivey said our salvation is personal but not private. We have to share it. We have to share our stories, and we have to be willing to listen to others so we might be able to speak into their lives. One of the other things that Stivey said was, God has no orphans. God has no orphans. You have been adopted by God when you accepted Christ. When you accepted Christ and you were adopted by God, not only were you not an orphan, but you are not an only child. God has no orphans. God has no only children. We are all, you, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are called to do life with each other. We are called to make each other stronger with our lives. We are called to be a, a larger family for the benefit of the kingdom. That's what we have here on San, Sunday morning. Corporate worship, a larger family for the benefit of the kingdom. But I also want to talk about the fact that we are also called to do life together in more intimate groups. Smaller groups. 
Jesus mirrored this in his relationships, first with all of the disciples, and then as he moved more intimate, the numbers reduced. His first move was to the twelve, the apostles, and then to the three, Peter, James, and John, to the one, Peter, and then to the most intimate and most important relationship, Jesus and the Father. He modeled what we are to do in our lives. He modeled it. We don't have to figure this out. It's not something that we have to recreate the wheel. He's already set this forth for us. All we have to do is follow his lead. Back in December, we had a men's ministry event, and we had about 84 men from TBA with an additional 40 or 50 from other churches attend. It was called Rough Cut Men. The whole concept was about creating what the military calls fire teams by the men in the church. Fire teams, why are they so important to the military? Historically, nations with effective fire team organization have had a significantly better performance from their infantry units in combat than those limited to operations by traditionally larger units. Why do they perform better? Why is their ability to deal with stress and dangerous situations better than larger units? Psychological studies by the United States Army have indicated that a soldier's survivability, their survivability and willingness to fight, is more heavily influenced by the desire to both protect, to protect and to avoid failing the other members of the fire team. They have found that in those smaller units, these men mix in the bonding agent. They mix in life. They do life together. Those bonds that are created in those fire teams last a lifetime. There are still relationships that I have outside of the Marine Corps with people that I have spent time with that I trusted in battle. They get close. They know each other's stories. They know each other's struggles. They have each other's backs. They are encouragement and accountability at the same time. They are encouragement and accountability, both. When you're in battle, you have to be surrounded by people that you trust and know, people that are important to you and you to them, people that you can, learn, that you can lean on when the bullets are flying, people that when you can't stand guard, that they stand in the gap for you. You can lean on and know that they're watching your back. There's a scene from Forrest Gump. There's a scene from Forrest Gump. Forrest and Bubba are in the, the jungles of Vietnam. It's nighttime. They're settling in. It's pouring down rain. They're scared. They're just kind of having conversation. And uh, Bubba looks at, at Forrest. He says, I'm going to lean up against you. You just lean right back against me. That's what that is. It's what that fire team means to each of those members. That's what that should be in our lives. We should have those people that we can just lean against and know that they're watching the other side of the circle, that they're walking with us, supporting each other and watching each other's backs. You might say that's great for the military, right? That's great for the men and women at war. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with a mom and dad living in America today? 
we have become complacent in our lives. We no longer see the battles that are all too, that are all too real, that are waged every day all around us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you think that the battles that we faced right here in Lakeland are any less real or any less dangerous than the ones that are faced in war, then you're fooling yourself and Satan has you right where he wants you. You think you can do life by yourself? You can't. This world is filled with traps that the enemy is just waiting for us to trigger every day. He has laid out a minefield full of lies, gossip, addiction, infidelity, anger, unforgiveness. And all of these are just as real and able to cause damage and destruction as a grenade or a bullet. Are you tired of fighting the fight alone? Are you tired of trying to do it by yourself? You don't have to. That was never the formula that Christ set forth. Never the formula that Christ set forth. We have talked about what it looks like in the military. Let's talk about what that looks like here in our church at TBA. As most of you know, we have begun to create our own fire teams. Our own fire teams here at TBA. They're called D groups or discipleship groups. These are small groups that are set up to do life together. And at the same time, foster growth in their faith and their relationships with God and each other. We have been given a mission by God, and these D groups are set up to help us accomplish that mission. Just as fire, time, fire teams have become the unit that is most success in the military, D groups are what we feel are going to have the most success here. You see, on Sunday mornings, it's great to get together and worship, and that's important, and we need that. But discipleship does not happen on Sunday mornings. Discipleship happens in D groups. That happens when we get in the trenches with each other. So, what does a D group or a fire team look like? Members must be a Christian. This is not a divisionary thing. Members must be a Christian. If you do not know who Christ is, how are you going to grow in Christ? Members must be a Christian. The goal is to grow closer to Christ through prayer, scripture study, and scripture memorization. Why do we not have them in big groups? Why are they not in big groups? There should be no more than four to five members. There should be no more than four to five members in a D group. You know, we have, we have a great uh, men's ministry. We have Monday night and Tuesday and Wednesday morning and, and Friday morning. And on Wednesday morning, just in, in, in particular, we have 25 to 30 guys that show up on a Wednesday morning. A little hard to get deep and talk with 25 to 30 guys. That's why four to five members. This is to be a tight-knit, cohesive, and gender-specific group who does life together. A lot of tough conversations that happen on ND groups. It's best to be doing those with gender-specific groups. Men with men, women with women. Okay? That's why we have gender-specific groups. This is going to kind of sound funny, but start 
with an ending planned. Start with an ending planned. These groups were never meant to last forever. There's something I'm going to talk about uh, as the, the result of what a D group is supposed to look like, but there is supposed to be an ending. And sometimes in these groups, whenever you get close, you don't want to stop meeting. It's not to say that your relationship needs to break, but those meetings need to change. You need to be able to extend that to somebody else. Groups should last no longer than 12 to 18 months. That's something that Robbie Gallaty, a book that we study for D groups, uh, it's called Growing Up. If you become part of a D group, then you'll be asked to to read that book. That's kind of the the formula that that they've set forth, that they've found found that that's a good time frame for that growth to happen. So groups should last no longer than 12 to 18 months. The reason that they should stop at some point is the final result of the D group model is multiplication of disciples. So not only for your growth and the others in your group's growth, but at some point you're going to be asked to go out and start your own D group. You're going to be asked to go out and multiply disciples. That's part of our mission. That's part of what we've been called to do. The relational side of the D group must be about encouragement and accountability. Encouragement and accountability. It is important for us to encourage, to lift each other up, but it's also important for us that whenever we see a blind spot that we need to speak into to hold that person accountable. I had a buddy come uh, call me here not too long ago, and he said, Tim, I, I, I want to I have that accountability. I have, other, I have other people in my life, and I need those uh, guys that are going to encourage me, but I also need somebody to grab me by the collar of my shirt and tell me whenever I'm being a knucklehead, whenever I need to change the way that I'm thinking, whenever I need to do something that I'm not doing. Accountability is important in those groups. Share each other's burdens and celebrate God's blessings. These groups are supposed to strengthen and bond us together as well as prepare us for our calling. What are we called to do? Do you know the mission that we've been called to? Our mission is this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the whole piece of that. Taking in but not giving out. We have been called to give out. We've been called to preach the gospel. The great commission that we've been charged with is a piece of this discipleship group piece too. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of it. Somehow, I think we've switched that over to applying it to the church. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you are called to be the church. Are you in the church, but not of it? Are you in the church but not of it? 
It's important for us to be the church. Get in a D group and experience life with people who will encourage you and hold you accountable. If you want to see change in the world, then you, each and every one of you in this room, if you want to see change in the world, then you have to be the change that you want to see. It's not up to somebody else. It's up to you. We have about 400 adults attending TBA uh, church leadership thinks that this needs to be 100%. We need 100% of the people that are here at TBA involved in D groups. Ladies, you have stepped it up. We have about 40 ladies in the D group in, that are involved in D groups right now. If you do the math, if we say we have 400 people, that's about 80 groups. If we split that between men and women, then ladies, you're a quarter of the way there. Guys, we're not doing so great. Guys, we attended the, we attended the, the, the meeting, the Rough Cup Men Conference. We know the importance of fire teams. We know the importance of D groups, and we're not doing it. We're not stepping up. We should be the ones that are leading that charge. We should be the ones that are leading that charge. Don't leave today without at least marking your card that you want more information on a, on a D group, a discipleship group. Don't leave today without stopping back at Net Steps and talking to somebody about being a part of a D group. If you don't want to lead it, then let us know. We're going to find you a spot to plug into. We have to start moving in that direction. We have to start getting into koinonia with each other. Band, if you could, come on up. If you want to know more about what koinonia is, the Bible has powerful examples of what koinonia should look like and can be found in a study of the one and others in the Bible. Scripture commands us to be devoted to one another and honor one another, Romans 12.10. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Accept one another, Romans 15.7. Serve one another in love, Galatians 5.13. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Admonish one another. Hold each other accountable, that's in Colossians 3. 16. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. Offer hospitality, 1 Peter. And love one another, 1 Peter 1, 22. If you want to find out more about that, spend some time in study of the Word and the one another's. Before I close in prayer, I want to talk to you about something fun that we've got coming up, uh, exciting next Saturday. We have Family Fun Day. We've got Family Fun Day planned for next Saturday. That's going to be from 3 o'clock to whenever we shut it down that evening. We need everybody to be a part of that. Come celebrate life together. Celebrate what's happening in the church. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some competitions. We encourage small groups to go out. There's a table out in the lobby. We encourage small groups to go out there and get your small group signed up to compete with each other. We've got about 10 events that you'll compete in. There'll be some trophies at the end of it. We're going to have a chili cook-off. Uh, we haven't had a chili cook-off in a long time. How long has that been? Several years. 
Actually, I think I'm the defending champion of the chili cook-off, so. Going down. Going down. <laughs> we're going to have games. We're going to have bounce houses for the kids. We're going to have hot dogs. And if you have never been a part of a TBA bonfire, then you're missing out. This is what I would encourage you to, to do for that. Make sure that you wear your fire retardant clothing. Because whenever Brian Legg builds a bonfire, you can see it from the space station. It's huge. But we're going to have hot dogs. You know, bring your s'mores. Bring your, uh, just come out and be part of family. Uh, stop out, step outside uh, today. Don't forget to stop at Next Steps. Sign up to be a part of a D group. Stop at the table out, outside. Quentin's going to be out there to answer questions for you. But we have sign-ups for team competition. If you are not part of a small group and you want to be part of the competition, sign it up and we're going to build some teams. All right? So, thanks. Please stop and see somebody before you leave about a D group. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for laying out the process for us. For Jesus having modeled exactly what relationship is supposed to look like in small groups. Father, we just thank you for that. Father, we thank you for Jesus and sending him to die for our sins. Father, we can never thank you enough for that. Father, we ask that uh, you continue to draw us closer together and that we draw closer to you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' powerful and precious name we pray. Amen.